Hi, I'm Brianne Bennis, and this is No End in Sight, a podcast about life with chronic illness. Before we get started, I have a huge but simple favor to ask. If you're listening to this in real time, or at least in July 2019, I've been nominated for a WeGo Health Award, and your super quick endorsement could help me get these stories in front of more people who need to hear them. Here's what you need to do. Open up your phone or laptop and head to tiny.cc slash lowercase help uppercase n-e-i-s so all caps short for no end in sight so tiny.cc slash lowercase help uppercase n-e-i-s that should take you to my nominee profile and then underneath my profile or my photo there's a little orange button that says endorse Brianne so click that button and they'll ask you to pick a category pick podcast and then for your name and email the they'll ask you so Put something in, but you can absolutely immediately unsubscribe from anything they might send you. And that's it. Thank you. Today, I'm talking to Emma Cowie about Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, cystitis, and building a life that isn't centered around your illness. Before we start, here's my disclaimer. This podcast is not intended as a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Make sure you talk to your practitioner about any questions or symptoms. Okay, so so I like to start by asking, how is your health as a kid? My health as a kid, I always knew, and my parents always knew there was something going on. From the age of about seven, I had issues with my like urology, urology symptoms. So going swimming was always a problem. So I would, yeah, it's strange. So I would go to the swimming baths and that's what a, a very strong memory I would go to the swimming and I'd come back and it would always be oh have you got cystitis again yeah strange I have cystitis again yeah. and that was from when I was like seven years old and it made me it was a shame because I loved going swimming and I loved going to the swimming baths but I would it made me like it's the first thing in my head where I'd go man as a kid that made me anxious yeah that mean that made me really like go I don't want to go and and I also used to get it a lot when I was going or the anxiety set in when I was going to like sleepovers mm-hmm. at other people's houses because I would I knew this pain I knew this cystitis type pain and I was like if that happens when I'm at someone else's house I don't know what to do and it would happen sometimes when I'd be at other people's houses for sleepovers and the only thing I knew to do was come home yeah and I was like I don't want to come home I'm a kid I want to sleep over at someone else's house I want to be having fun <laughs> yeah I want to do what everyone else is doing without yeah I don't like, want to come pain. home yeah pain and coming home and being the loser who has to come home and get their mummy to come pick them up yeah. <laughs> like, I don't want that fun. it's really not fun and were there other uh symptoms for that so pain of course like pelvic pain but like frequency, it, other kind of stuff like that that it goes was, along with it? It was like the typical urology cystitis pain. So pain, frequency, burning, the smell of urine, all of the all of the things. But the problem with me and the issue with me, the problem, quote, problem, the issue with my urology, urology symptoms has always been all the symptoms of a kidney infection, but no infection. Okay, so nothing's showing up on like urine tests and stuff. Nothing's filtering no. out. No, nothing. So 
you'll maybe they'll maybe get some white cells, we'll maybe get a few protein, we'll maybe get a couple, you know, it'll, sometimes it'll light up like a Christmas tree, the dip, the dipstick, and we'll be like, oh, she's got an infection for like one every, for one out of every hundred dipsticks and like yeah. pee samples that have been sent off, which there have been many. <laughs> uh, one of them will be like there's an actual infection, mm-hmm. but most of them there isn't. But it's all the same symptoms. Right. All the same. All the same pain. The same fever. The same. All of it. Mm-hmm. So my urologists over the years have, are like, what is going on with this kid? What is yeah. going on? Why? Why is this happening? And were they giving you antibiotics regardless of the test results, or was it sometimes like we'll just wait and see if the symptoms clear up? We've went through cycles and stages. We went through long-term antibiotics at low dose. And we went through full blast antibiotics every single time. Then we went through a stage of no antibiotics at all because everyone realized, hey, maybe let's not give this kid and then teenager and now adult all the antibiotics in the world. Yeah, all the antibiotics (laughs) all the time. Yeah, because, hey, that's not good either. Yeah. Um, and then sometimes I'd be like, just give me them. Just give me them. I don't care. I'm in so much pain. Just give me them. Yeah. If it helps, <laughs> so, then it's worth it. Yeah. So it's like, well, what's better? What's worse? Being immune, being patient, patient zero <laughs> Yeah. of the eventual thing that is going to make me the person who is now immune to every single antibiotic ever. Yeah. Not great. <laughs> Not great. <laughs> Choose laughter. It's better mm-hmm. <laughs> sometimes. Um, but yeah, what's worse or better, you know, being immune to all antibiotics, that's definitely worse. Or um, not having any bad, or being in so much pain that right. you can't handle it anymore. So yeah, that was where we were at. And we're still, I'm, I'm still seeing a urologist. I was at a urology appointment on Tuesday there where I'm going in for yet another camera test, hmm. another cystoscopy for them to have a look and go, let's figure out what we're going to do next, because we still don't know what the answer is. Right. We think maybe that, and this is me at 32 years old, and this started showing symptoms when I was seven. Right, so 25 years. Yeah, of yeah. them trying to figure out this particular symptom of my whole health as a whole Mm -hmm. so they're they think it could be that my bladder isn't empty properly because of the stretchy nature of eds which we'll get to yeah in this discussion and the if that's the case then there's a whole other range of things that we can try which i have tried already by the way didn't help but they'll probably maybe go down that road anyway and who knows i'm literally just like yeah okay yeah i mean you've you've got to try yeah you've just got to keep going and trying and being open it's so frustrating though there are times where i just do just cry with frustration sheer frustration yeah yeah with something that keeps coming back over and over and over again yeah and And yeah and the only way that i can deal with this particular pain is being in the bath a roasting hot bath and the painkillers which you know there's a whole debate of painkillers blah 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 blah. I get it I understand but in this particular situation I need the painkillers because I'm 
it makes me scream cry, this yeah. pain. It's yeah. the only pain that makes me <clears throat> really cry with pain. Mm-hmm. And I've got joints that pop out their socket. Yeah, it's, this is just like its own acute yeah. thing. It's Gosh. agony. Other people who deal with I like is interstitial cystitis. I cannot say it. I call it IC. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Other I people see. who deal with it like, understand. And, people, and anyone who's dealt with cystitis in their life, mm-hmm. even just once, understand. Women sore. Yeah. Imagine having it like all the time. And you're like, no thanks. Yeah. So yeah. That from seven years old. That's where it started. <laughs> yeah. So that was the this first ongoing thing that is still happening. Yes. Um, and forever. Okay, so so as a kid and through your teens, and yeah. then what, I guess, what else got mixed in, or when did you start to notice other stuff going on with your body? Well, I realized I had a little trick I could do, and now looking back, I cringe with every little part of my body and go, why, why, why did I do this to myself? Um, my hips can kind of sublux in and out they can pop in and out not fully dislocating because that's a trip to the um, a <laughs> straight away but they can sublux in and out and I used to run around and freak people out with it and go look what I can do look what I can do and just pop my hip in and out yeah this is fun not yeah. nothing to worry about I look like someone who belongs and the greatest showman, like pop, 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 pop. <laughs> and, um, and was it both of them? Both. Yeah. And they still do it to this day. But now it's a case of I'm just walking about and I'll just go bloop. Yeah. And I just need to like pop it back in and I'm like on my way with the rest of my day. The, this happened, but I wasn't getting any pain at that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was just, weird. I was a kid and I thought that's weird. I'd, can't remember showing my parents I'm pretty sure they just saw it and went oh okay and didn't really think much of it if I did show them it and do you I guess this is maybe a question that you'd know more now but did Mm. either of them have any of those kinds of symptoms they didn't have any of those kind of symptoms my dad was always in and out of hospital with his health okay and we didn't know why he was always there was always something going on with him Mm-hmm. now we do know why we now we're like things make more sense and he's been diagnosed with joint hypermobility and I'm like you do know you've probably got EDS that yeah. it's genetic yeah. I got it from somewhere yeah. you're like <laughs> now we have this diagnosis for me we can look yeah. back at everybody else and yeah. maybe but he's just that's a whole other conversation yeah. okay. but, but uh... nobody at the time <laughs> If you if you had shown them, no one would have gone. Oh, I know what what that might be. No. Yeah, just a weird no. thing that you were doing as a kid. Yeah, and they have both said that they are quite frustrated that the doctors didn't really do more back then. Yeah. Because they didn't really do much with looking at my u- urology symptoms when I was younger. Hmm. They didn't do much for that. Like now, if a kid was shown those kind of levels of um, urology symptoms, they'd get sent up to like the local children's hospital and get really looked into. Yeah. They didn't. They didn't do that for me. They just. It was just constant. Let's try this antibiotic. Let's try that antibiotic. And it was. Yeah. It was never know, like sent up to the next level of care. No, it yeah. wasn't looked into. Um. 
and maybe and you know if it maybe had been looked into more alongside this joint hypermobility could something have got diagnosed earlier but the problem is in Scotland there is no funding mm-hmm. for EDS even now even now there are no EDS specialists in Scotland mm-hmm. none. in the whole country in the whole country there are no EDS specialists so yeah. I have no one overseeing my care right in my country yeah and that's I, a pretty big deal <laughs> that's a like it drives me like it really bothers me mm-hmm. it's actually a huge issue for a, a lot of patients yeah I bet so I'm struggling with EDS because it actually affects me and like it would like and my mental state never mind me as a and me as a person and me and my health because I'm like well what am I worth then yeah yeah like why why isn't anybody looking at this and looking at you and other people like you because I'm sure you're not the only person in all of Scotland with EDS and there are many of us we can get into this too but like there's different types of EDS there's so much to it right yeah there it's a huge huge issue and there we don't I think the closest place I could go to if I was to get referred for further treatment is, I think it's Leeds. There's one, there's a, there's a specialist centre in Leeds and a specialist centre in London. But I would either have to pay to go private, privately or apply for an NHS special trust grant or something like that. It's some thing that I probably would not get. And is that for to... the travel or or just because do you only get coverage within your kind of local area how does that work it would be because i would be moving to it's because the yeah because you only get coverage within your local area and because it's not in my local area Mm -hmm. this is in leeds right and it's also getting a element of treatment that i'm not quote unquote eligible to Mm. like um this is a specialist type of treatment this is a a specialist center Mm mm-hmm and so you would need to be referred there, but in order I to mean, be referred there, you need to see someone who knows enough to refer you there. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm only getting seen by, not only getting seen by my GP, but my coverage, my my whole treatment plan is done by my GP. Mm-hmm. And usually someone with like a, a complex issue, such as myself, is seen by a consultant mm-hmm. who knows an in-depth amount about their condition yeah now i i actually have a great gp i've got a great team of gps at my surgery i'm very lucky and it's great that you to have gps that you like and you get on with because believe me i moved once and it was the worst decision i ever made (laughs) i went back to sweet (laughs) i was back there but the fact that there is no no real like you can you can kind of if, if the rheumatology department will sometimes depending on what area this is again the, the lottery department the lottery of whereabouts you fall and in the nhs don't get me wrong got to love the nhs i am thankful for it yeah i am very i am not complaining about i, I do sound like i'm complaining about the nhs and in this case i kind of am because i don't have the care that right that, that you need that I need and, so, and I can't 
even really pay for it if I want it. Right, right. And that's a huge, a huge problem with specialty care. So then who diagnosed you to begin with? How did that happen? Mm. So things started going downhill when I was about 19. The cystitis things went off the charts. Then about 25, I got um, a really bad succession of things going on. I had an appendectomy and then got an infection after the appendix got taken out. Yeah. Yeah. And then they had to go in again and do all that. So everything just went like downhill. And with EDS, once one thing starts going, it's like a domino effect. Everything just kind of goes boom, 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 boom. That's kind of what tends to happen. Mm-hmm. It can be a viral infection that kickstarts things, and then, <clears throat> excuse me, and then the domino effect kicks off. Mm-hmm. Um. So this was over the space of after things starting off when I was seven, then nineteen, again, cystitis. I mean, I was on and off work and everything. Things go really bad. 25 get this surgery everything goes real bad i'm in and out of hospital all the time yeah i mean the the nurses knew me by name in this one particular ward they were like emma's back here we go like i was i was in and out of hospital all the time i'm laughing but it was bad right Um, right it wasn't great but you can kind of appreciate it now (laughs) yeah you just you've just got to kind of look back and go well that was that wasn't that that was that was a time yeah, that um, was the time. I like that. Was a, <laughs> that was a time. Um, and I eventually just moaned so much at my GP to refer me to the rheumatology department because I knew the rheumatology department could send me to the geneticists right. department. And did you think, the, had you heard of EDS at this point? Like, were you doing your own research? Did you have an idea that might be what was going on? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I had been... I was a doctor's worst nightmare. Yeah. (laughs) I was, like, researching everything. I was like, what's going on with me? Because I was so frustrated. Yeah, of course. Doctors weren't listening to me. I was getting told there was nothing wrong with me. I was getting told it was all in my head. I was getting told I was basically crazy. Mm -hmm. I was getting referred for everything to do with my psychosomatic problems quote-unquote, yep. as opposed to what was going on in my body. And I was like, um, no. <laughs> yeah. Like, I can um, tell the difference. I can tell yeah. the difference. Yeah. I am an intelligent woman. <laughs> I know I'm laughing a lot, but it's because it's been such a hurtful, devastating process. No, but... I mean, sometimes I think that's all you can do. <laughs> oh, like, sometimes you just have to laugh and also there because the amount of tears that have been shed over this yeah it's what else can you do yeah i mean the amount of utter despair over the life that i could have lived i mean i'm a singer i've got a degree in in um musical theater and i'm like and it's one point when i was like 24 five twenty six years old and I'm lying in a hospital bed for, you know, half a year, half of the year. Yeah. And I'm going, Well, what happened to my life? Yeah, this is not where I thought I would be at this is twenty five. Yeah. 
I'm meant to be down in London in the West End. What is going on? Yeah. What has happened? Something took a, a left-hand turn somewhere. What? Where, where am I? What's going on? Yeah. You know? How do I fix it? Uh, yeah. And doctors are telling me that oh, these tests have come back inconclusive. We don't really know what's going on. We think that you know you need to go and um. I've been told some absolute belters by doctors. I've been told that um, I, that basically it's all in my head. That it's just all in my head, mm-hmm. and that I need to get off Google. Like yeah. just basically just get off Google, and yeah. I'm like, okay, I'll get off Google when you learn how to talk to a patient. Yeah, when you like take my symptoms seriously and commit mm-hmm. to doing your own research, because yeah. That's fine, but one of us has mm-hmm. to be researching, and if it's not you, yeah. then it's going to be me. Yeah, hundred percent. And I mean, me and surgeons have a very interesting, very interesting relationship because surgeons are a very particular type of breed of people, a very particular type of breed. And I'm like, we're either going to get on real well or real bad. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's like I no longer have the patience for people who don't listen to me. And if you're not listening to me, then I'm mm-hmm. going to be upset and I'm going to tell you. And I'm going to be very honest about it. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I I understand. I will have respect for them. I'm not going to be rude for the sake of being rude. But there's also, I have spent so much time just being deferential and being like yes Mr. Doctor no Mr. Doctor or Miss Doctor and I'm now just over it yeah it I'm doesn't help. over it 100 per cent yeah of the time <laughs> yeah I th- that's that's it I think like one thing that I've learned from talking to people is like I think sometimes we have this idea that there's a right way to go to the to like show up to the doctor right like being deferential yeah. like you say you know show up and be assertive but respect them and all this stuff and like one thing I've learned from talking to people for this podcast is that there is no right way like no there really is no I think you just said lottery but like in this way it's also a lottery like you Mm. sometimes you just get bad doctors and yeah there's don't waste your energy trying to like you know calm yourself down if they're gonna help you they're gonna help you whether whether you're upset or not like yeah you don't need to turn that off yeah, completely. And the thing is, they're going to help you. Like, it does help to be nice. Yeah, you know, of course. It, it, does help, it does help if you get on with them. It's yeah. nice to be nice. It does help if you get on with them. Yeah. But sometimes, if you show your frustration in a situation, it might let them know that you've just had it. Yeah. <laughs> That it's you're actually very affected by this. It's yeah, it's yeah. Real. That um, has helped me a couple of times. Yeah. So okay. So you had been in and out of hospital, and that was, it sounds like mostly pain, and you had an ap- appendectomy. That was hard to say. Yeah. Appendectomy, yeah. and then an infection as a result of that. So probably more pain, and that was taking yeah. you to hospital. And then you, on your own time, were probably looking up the like, what's up with my hips? Why is this <laughs> happening? You know? Yeah, and um, it was actually it was actually a urologist, a really fantastic urologist who was seeing me, and she was like, um, "Have you looked into connective tissue disorders?" Okay. Because uh, she's like, just from being in around your bladder a lot, because she's been <laughs> up in my business. Yeah, she, she was knows like, it. she's like your tissue. She's like, there's something about your tissue. She's like, I think you might need to look 
she told me to go look into connective tissue disorders. She was like, just go check it out. Yeah. So it was my neurologist who put me onto it. And this is the thing. I feel like I also hear this from people, just like a random unrelated specialist sometimes. Mm maybe who's a better listener or a better like detective. she was one of my favorite 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 doctors i've yeah. ever had in my entire life i loved her she was awesome yeah shout out to villa you're a legend <laughs> <laughs> she was so cool so she was like i think you have to um look into this yeah. so i looked into it and that was it i knew it was something i knew it was some mm-hmm. and didn't know for sure if i did yes but i knew i had some type of connective tissue yeah joint related thing yeah it really like all of the things that were on that list really stuck out to you screaming out to me like tick 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 so Mm -hmm. um that would have been when i was about 27 28 okay and it still took me till i was was it 29 another two years until i got diagnosed so you went to or you got referred to a rheumatologist first yeah right yeah and they said oh we can't treat you anymore (laughs) cool cool and i was like sweet well while you're pushing on the way out can you um refer me to geneticists because um I really do feel that this is something genetic. And they're like, yeah, okay. And they and did. Literally, and they did. Great. They just did. And um, for you, so if you don't have EDS specialists in Scotland, was it mm-hmm. relatively easy to get in to see a geneticist? Because those are uncommon too, or certainly less common than rheumatologists, right? Um, rheumatologists are, you know, they're one of the, they are, um, you know, at every hospital. Yeah, they are, they're everywhere. Yeah, they are, they, they're around. Yeah. <laughs> um, and some rheumatologists do treat people with EDS. Yeah, I know some which people is who the have been kinda, diagnosed by rheumatologists. Which is the, the lottery effect, as yeah. I say. Um, but I know that for a lot of people in Scotland, they don't get treated mm-hmm. by people in, who have who have EDS because some rheumatologists see it because it's genetic and not affected by whatever system of the body rheumatology is. Can't yeah. remember the, the the is it like the the rheumat? I don't know. Can't yeah. remember words at the moment. But because it's not the same system yeah. of the body, because they're, they're like, like immune. Immune, yeah. You know, I yeah. Right. I don't know the full scope of rheumatology, honestly. Yeah. And I think it's but, changing really fast because of autoimmune diseases, actually. Right. But well, anyway. what they're saying is, well, you're, oh, this is genetic. We're yeah. not going to treat you anymore. And I was yeah. like, well, thanks for that. Can you put me on to the person who maybe will? Thank yeah. you. Yeah, so, where do I go? Yeah, got sent to genetics. I don't know the actual pathway of how anyone would go about getting sent to genetics yeah. because it's a very specialized yeah. tiny little like it's like a little lab yeah of people that you go and see and whenever i've sent people to go to genetics i've like just asked your gp ask yeah. your gp how you do it because every time i asked my gp they were like oh i don't know i don't know how you you know 
they kind of hummed and hawed about it and yeah. felt daft when I was like, ha ha, I got a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're like, that was the right it? place. Yeah, I was like, in your face, <laughs> GPs. <laughs> so, so what did the but, geneticist do with you right. specifically? Geneticists gave me a whole host of tests. I had to go in and do, they took some bloods. They did um, a whole heap of, they did the bait and score tests with me about how bendy I am. And they were like, oh, you're bendy. I yeah. was like, yes, I am. You're up there. And, and then they did a full family history of um like as far back as I can remember and as wide as I can as I could report on all my family medical history. Mm-hmm. Um so they tried to like trace in where any of these genetics like, right. have come from and where they've gone. Um they asked every single detail of my health for as far back as I could detail. Yeah, so they were really thorough, which... Extremely thorough. It's exciting to get to that doctor, to get to the doctor who's looking at your whole history. You're like, oh, good. I'm rubbing my hands together. That's what I was doing. I was like, yay, 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 yay. Someone who's actually listening and is going to care. Not that the other doctors didn't care. I'm not saying that at all. Right, but when you've not been listened to and just been kind of shrugged off for so many years, mm-hmm. I could have eaten this doctor with a spoon. Yeah. I was so sad. I was like, yay. Yeah, um, totally. And she did a few other tests. Like, she looked at the roof of my mouth and she was like, you've got a very, very high arch in your mouth. She's like, that is indicative of... Um, it's a, it's a indicative of a type of EDS. Hmm, that's interesting. That I didn't, yeah, it's, it's super interesting. I was like, the, the arch of my, it is high. I have noticed that. Yeah. That is interesting. And like, and that's it, something you can't compare to other people. Like, no. you don't know. I mean, even if you occasionally put your tongue in someone else's mouth, you probably aren't <laughs> like aware of how high the roof of their mouth is. That's not, you know, that's not <laughs> yeah. what's happening. No, I'm sure they're maybe not even um, thinking about that at that particular no. time either. <laughs> no, and if you were, then they would notice, I think. Yeah. Um, and uh, she touched my skin. My skin's got that velvety touch to it, which is a very indicative um, marker of EDS type 2 in particular, which I have. I've got type 2 classical Ehlers-Danlos syndrome okay. so when you touch it it's got a kind of velvety magic like magic <laughs> velvety magic touch no but it's got like a kind of velvety feeling to it mm-hmm. um and it's yeah it's not I've not got like that stretchy skin that right. some people have um but it's very velvety mm-hmm. and she touched it and she was like oh yeah definitely you that. <laughs> I was like Okay. I just thought soft skin. This is cool. Yeah. Awesome. Never thought about um, that before. No. And there was a few other things. She asked about like my veins and things and about how what it's like getting blood taken from me. And I was like, nightmare. I am the worst. I am literally the worst. Mm-hmm. Like whenever I'm in hospital, like the many, many, many hospital stays we have discussed previously, mm-hmm. whenever the phlebotomist would come round. She'd go, oh no. <laughs> when she saw she had to get yeah. blood from me. You got bad she was like, uh-huh. She's like, 
you are worse than getting blood from like the little old ladies <laughs> or who haven't drank anything for like a month i was like yeah no sorry i can't really you, i mean yeah you can drink water when you can drink water but if that doesn't yeah. make a difference then they just don't they're just rubbish horrendous yeah. veins and she's like well she's like, i'm actually going to diagnose you with type 2 Ehlers-Danlos syndrome with crossovers of the vascular type. Now, vascular type EDS is a dangerous, right? Very, very dangerous type of Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, and um, it's it's very, very. I mean, a lot of types of Ehlers-Danlos syndrome are serious, and but this is a very serious type. People have died instantly, like just without even knowing. Like they've had hemorrhages, they've had aneurysms, they've had, you know, because their their vessels just like collapse, you know, mm. and they're they have aortic aneurysms, and you know, it's because their vessels can't support. You know, it's it's a very dangerous type of Ehlers-Danlos yeah, syndrome. Yeah. The system so, affected is so critical that it's a very anything happening type. can be yeah yeah so i have crossovers of that which isn't like the isn't my main type of ehlers danlos syndrome it's just i have factors of it mm-hmm. as opposed to the Something full to be type aware of. of it yeah and so, so that is that and so with classical i don't know with vascular is that also is there a gen- genetic marker for that like you also have a known gene Mm, sorry. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure we have a known gene. She did take my blood. Yeah. It's... And she said that my my thing is on, like, my... I, I'm on file. Like, my my genetics and all that are on file with, like, the, the lab. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty sure there's a genetic marker for it, for type 2. Yeah. And that's like easy to check, but when they're looking at all those other symptoms too, just because I know specifically that um, type three there isn't. Yeah, the hypermobile type doesn't have a. Yeah, they haven't identified a gene. They haven't identified a gene for type three. I'm pretty sure there is for type two. Yeah, I can't remember if if there isn't, then I know that she did all the tests and stuff, and was like, you're definitely in the cat. Like you've got all the. Yeah, there's. I mean, there's a whole quantifiable things yeah but i I know that she was like i'm going to take your blood anyway so that we can run that Mm -hmm. and so i can't imagine she would run that for nothing yeah yeah that's you know i love i love how i find that stuff out yeah and i got a letter through saying that i definitely had it so maybe that's why she did it yeah yeah i love how i'm so i'm so into no this is the stuff that i don't know much about so i just like to see what people know no I am, um, you know, I used to, so here's the thing, I used to be right up in all the knowledge and this was all I knew about and this was all I concerned myself about and this is all my brain was, like, all about was EDS stuff yeah. and everything about EDS and all I wanted to know was what's happening in the EDS world and what's up and coming and what's going on. But it drove me crazy. Yeah. And that's... I'm not even kidding you on. Yeah. I think it's so easy for this kind of stuff to become, like, all-consuming. And then yeah. there's nothing 
when there isn't more for you to do in the moment, you need to find a way to live your life however that looks, I think. Yeah. And like, like step back. Yeah. Like when I was, when I first got diagnosed, I was like, right, I need to raise money. I need to raise money. I need to do something. Because I needed something to focus on. I was so happy that I'd got a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. I was so relieved that finally. Yeah. And you weren't, we, that like we doctors are calling was. you crazy and you know yeah. that you're not anymore. There's an explanation and it's real. Yeah, absolutely. There's an explanation. It's real. I'm not crazy. I'm crazy, but I'm not that crazy. Not like that. (laughs) Yeah, but like, I knew what it was. There was a sense of relief for a moment. Mm -hmm. There was a sense of relief. But then a new kind of creeping thing set in where I was like, yeah, but I don't want it. Yeah. I don't want this. I'm relieved that I know what it is. But I don't want this. This no. So there was a kind of it was like a double edged sword. Yeah. Yeah. And with EDS, so after you get the diagnosis from the geneticist, I know you're saying there's no clinics for you to go to, but it's kinda like, what do you do now? What is the treatment protocol? Is there a treatment protocol? Right? Like what they do is they send you off for a lot of checks to make sure that everything that they didn't do while you were growing up to make to make sure that everything that you should have had done is okay. So like I went for a check on my heart because people with EDS, various types of EDS, are prone to get a type of murmur mm. on their um Oh, I can't remember the name of it because my brain's doing that thing where I know the name of the word and the word is not there, but yeah. the word and the word is like right there. Yeah, uh, okay. It happens <laughs> all the time. It's a, it's a particular type of valve. Um, and you, it's really going to bug me now. But yeah, there's a, they check all the valves in your heart just to make sure that you're not getting this particular type of. Mm-hmm. Um, like that they didn't develop improperly or something yeah. because of your connective tissue problem. All the people who have EDS right now are like screaming, listen to this because they're like, I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is the word. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay, folks. Um, we'll know it by then yeah, too. By the time so, this episode comes out, we can have Googled it. <laughs> exactly. So, um, and I also got like, I have a thing where my blood pressure tanks when I stand up. Yep. Blood pressure, does your heart rate go? Is it POTS? <laughs> It's, well, <laughs> and I never got the official diagnosis for it, but I, they told me I had postural tachycardia. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That's like you stand up and, and the blood pressure goes, it's all a mess, it's just all a riot. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, you've got um, postural tachycardia, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, yeah, no duh. Yeah, yeah. I black out when I stand up, so yeah, I figured that wasn't yeah. normal. I heard there was something going on there. Yeah. So I get that. So they sent me away to the cardiologist to make sure that everything was okay with that. I mean, okay is a relative word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because <laughs> as okay as you can be when you black out when you're standing up. Yeah. So there's that. And then, so... What they do is they do look after you, but then once you've had all these checks. They're like, you're healthy they don't want... for your condition, kind of. 
and then they don't want to see you again. Yeah, that's it. It's like not getting called back by someone that you were really into. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I, I was rooting for you. I was really rooting for you. Yeah, I thought this and was then the they one. Don't want to, uh, and then they don't want to call you back anymore. <laughs> and you're like, uh, gutted. But yeah, they, because they are a diagnostic service. They're not a treatment service. Right. Yeah. So they kind of diagnose and pass on. But in EDS's case, there's no one for them to pass you on to, to pass on to. Yeah. There's like no one to usually with other people with other conditions who are maybe more well established. Mm-hmm. And that sounds terrible, but you know, I mean, people who the conditions who have more money mm-hmm. and behind them, and then have drugs they, if there's like a prescription the, available. Yeah. If there's a prescription available to fund it, then they would um, get, you know, a service, another someone else to go and, you know, look after them. Because the thing is, I do get seen by consultants. That isn't what I'm saying. I do get seen. My GP does send me off to consultants, you know, go to this consultant, go to that consultant. Blah, blah blah blah, but there's no one person, right? Other than my GP, overseeing the whole big picture to mm-hmm. go, what are we doing about the EDS, the EDS alone? Mm-hmm. What are we doing about it, and what's the next plan, and how are we going to move you forward in terms of EDS? Mm-hmm. You know, my GP's got a million other things, right? Right, and they don't have the... And they, don't, they, they don't have the in-depth knowledge of yeah. EDS. They, I saw one of them one time with Google pulled up. Yeah. You're like, okay, cool. So we're both Googling. We're both and Googling And the EDS this. UK page. Yeah. And I was like, facepalm emoji. Yeah. Like, now the lady, like, don't. Yeah. You're like... That was just me. Yeah. Mood. That was a mood. I was like, are you... Getting okay. <laughs> and I don't blame them because right. at least they're trying. Yeah. Yeah. It's just first, like the situation is so frustrating when you yeah. see that that's what's happening. Cause there's just not, what can you do? What can they do? Like all that yeah. stuff. Um, okay. So your diagnosis was about three years ago. It sounds like. Yeah. 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 Um, and have you been working through all of this? Yeah. Question one, uh, working. And then what else would I ask about? Yeah, um, like what's your day to day like? My day to day is I'm a singer. I'm very, very lucky that I get to do what I love. And I'm also very lucky that my health has improved to a place where I'm able to work. Mm-hmm. Um, about even two and a half years ago, I was still using sticks. Okay. So. I was still using sticks to walk about because the way that my hips work, it causes so much pain in my lower back and my pelvis, and they were still so like they were so unstable, and like I still get a lot of pain. Mm-hmm. I still got a lot of pain in my lower back. Um, I mean, but I was for a good couple of years, I was pretty much bed bound, and I'd put on like five stone. I was in constant pain. I was subluxing my ankles all the time. I was having to self-catheterize. Um, 
<clears throat> I was really unwell. Mm-hmm. I was an unwell girl. And and that was around the time you were diagnosed, too? It yeah. Sounds like, yeah. Yeah. So, like, mobility was really affected. Mm-hmm. General health as a result. Yeah. And, and then what do you think changed some of that stuff? If I mean, obviously, it's always up and down with chronic illness. But yeah. what do you think caused the up? That is an interesting question. <laughs> it might have a bit of a controversial answer. <laughs> you get to have your own answer. That's okay. I was very much... When I was sick, 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 I couldn't get out of my bed, couldn't do anything... My whole life was sickness. Mm-hmm. All I could see was sickness. All I was experiencing was sickness. All my whole life was just about ill health. Mm-hmm. Um, all I was, I, I, at the time I was um, admining a couple of um, chronic health groups on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Yep. Gotta love, gotta love them. Yeah, I now, know what those are like. Good and bad. Yeah. They can be great. Mm-hmm. They can be such great healthy spaces, but they can also be a toxic cesspool of who is the sickest today, who's had the worst day today, who takes the most medication, who is better than this person or worse than this person, and I had just had it. Yeah. I'd had it. Yeah. And it can also be like bitchy infighting and women just being the worst of women sometimes yeah and i'm like be better just be better yeah we're all struggling like we don't need this group to be a part of that and it brought out the worst in me Mm -hmm. as well i'm not saying i am innocent Mm -hmm. by any stretch of the imagination and i just kind of looked at myself one day and went what have you become women (laughs) this isn't working this is not helpful to anybody or anything. Now, some of them are great. And I see some people who are doing well in them. And if that's what some people choose, great. Go yeah. for it. Live your best life. I wish you nothing but health and happiness. Mm-hmm. But for me, yeah. I was like, peace out, homie. I'm out. Yeah. Like, I It was not I helping your mental health, it sounds like. No. No, it was not. To put it lightly. To put it lightly. So I thought for a moment of starting my own and trying to, like, you know, change the system and be like, let's create a different atmosphere and let's go for it. And then I was like, nah. (laughs) (laughs) It's still going to be the same, like, no matter what. Yeah. Because when you, because what I realized is that when you have a health, sometimes, unfortunately, when you have like a health based social group and health is a focus of it. Yeah, it's also what the, the main issue, subject. What, what, what the problem for me personally was that the root of the issue for me personally was. All I was seeing everywhere was me being sick in my real life and me focusing on ill health online. 
and I was like, I need an escape route somewhere. I need a, I need a safe space yeah. somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> that was like, you know, all the snowflakes are safe spaces. But I know I was like, I just need somewhere where I don't see sickness. Yeah, where it doesn't feel like everything is awful. Yeah. And yeah. I wasn't, as I say, I wasn't gigging at that time. And for me, performing and gigging and being able to be a singer has always been such an amazing escape for mm-hmm. me because I'm not Emma the sick person yeah when I perform yeah I'm just Emma yeah and that was taken away from me for a good good three four years of my life and that doesn't I mean that that's a long time yeah. for me it is you know? and I was like well I need to do something, something needs to change because I need to get back out doing what I love. Yeah. If not for the sake of the girl needs to eat. There's <laughs> but, that. Also, it's something that I love, you yeah. know? And so I was like, well, let's start by changing up the focus and focus on something good and healthy for me. So I switched up the social media First off, that went. Then we got a puppy. Uh, we got a puppy. So we've yeah. got a big dog and we've got a little dog. And I started being able to move about a bit more, you know, just looking after him. Mm-hmm. And then we started with like gentle walks and just, but I have to say, the switching up with the social media, it was that stopping that because if I was still hooked on my phone, yeah. I wouldn't have been as interested as even as much as I had a puppy yeah and I love my puppy and I love my dog I would have been wondering oh what's going on what's going on online yeah do I need need to do this admin thing do I need to do that admin thing because it was taking up my whole life which is understand why it happens but it was taking up my whole life yeah but as I created this space and then we were like, let's get a puppy. Let's do it. Let's just get a puppy. Mm-hmm. And we got the dog. And then I was able to start moving around a bit more. And I was like, okay, I'm not in as much pain. And then we got the dog. Then we started taking out a few wee walks. And I was able to use my sticks a bit less. Mm-hmm. And then, so I started like building up my strength a bit more. And then we went on holiday about six months later. And I left my sticks on holiday and didn't bring them back. <laughs> I was like, screw it. Not right now. I was, I, was like, I was like, not having it. I'm just not bringing them, just not bringing them home with me. I'm just leaving them here. So left them. Mm-hmm. I'm just half kept going forward since and not, I mean, don't get me wrong. There are still days where I, ha- I have an emergency pair for yeah. For, for the real bad days. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, it's not like, oh, I'm I like made a choice and so now I'm stronger than needing mobility aids ever. No. It's just no. like, okay, I decided to make space f- to like take some risks. Grow. Yeah. Cuz yeah. I think that can be part of it. Is it like when you're sick, it's scary to go on a walk because you d- legitimately if you're like I might get to the end of the street and not be able to walk back and that's Yeah. That can make that's like a huge barrier. And yeah. So when you're like, able would, to change your attitude enough that that risk is 
feasible i guess yeah yeah uh, also a huge part of it was like we got the car and i'm a driver so i was able to get out and about mm. and be able to drive and get out and see the world and be like i don't have to stay in my bed all the time mm-hmm. that's a huge awesome thing mm-hmm. yay and then um i just like i i made my sticks awesome and they were like glittery and i would change this i would i would change the tape on them all the time and I would jazz them up and I'd be like right what they're going to look like this week like you know I, no no basic no no basic uh, sticks for me no yeah, thank you and um, they don't need to look strictly medical no thank you um but the thing is I just this I did just decide not to bring them home with me but as you say that doesn't mean that it was easy mm-hmm and I always I have to have a backup pair just in case things are really bad and my back is playing up big time and my hips are like we're going to fall out all the time not and today. my ankles uh, my ankles are like we're not playing you know yeah. we're just like but I created the space and I was like let's just try and move into it and we'll see what happens and you know you you have to try and for me I had to try because I had knew I had to get back out again and thankfully after about a year of working hard and trying really hard I got back out working and a gig at the weekend and then I spent the entire week recovering yeah because my partner Sean is the most incredible human alive <laughs> and he's just like you just do you like it's like this is important he, uh-huh. And he just lets it so that he just what he works full time, and he has it so that I can gig at the weekend and rest during mm-hmm. the week, because he saw what it was like when I was bedbound, and he's yeah. like, I'd rather that you only did what you're doing and not anymore. <laughs> yeah, and like, if you're gonna push yourself, push yourself for something that matters to you. Yeah completely he yeah. completely gets that and he gets it it's like food for my soul mm-hmm. yeah we're getting money for it but it's like yeah you need to do this for you and for yeah. like your your health of your self you yeah. know like and it's that's so important so yeah. i'm like that's it's pretty cool yeah, and i get amazing. to be emma the singer again yay <laughs> it's awesome i love it so much yeah that's fantastic I think, <laughs> I think like so much of that resonates with me. I think one thing that I also was just thinking of about like online illness communities, I'll say. Yeah. Cause I'm also, I'm in Facebook groups. I look at chronic illness, Reddit, like a lot of my Twitter is chronic illness, but I think Twitter is a little different. But another thing about it that I found would kind of limit me is that people are complaining all the time. And a lot of these groups, I think, it wouldn't necessarily be well received if you wanted to post about having a good day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like if I went on and posted about my story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like through to this uh, part where you're like getting out and singing again and yeah. and walking still sometimes yeah. with a mobility aid, but differently than you yeah. used to. Or like how I left my sticks on a holiday. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they would cheer for me. Yeah. I don't know if some might. Sure. I'm sure some people would, but it's like the things that do well in the algorithm are not those things. No. And, you know, I don't, I get it. 
I get it, but it's sad. It's sad that that's the case, you know. Yeah. It's sad that that's the case, and I I guess the support aspect of it is to like almost for people who are having a bad time and they don't want people coming in and going look at me I'm doing really well yeah and they don't want that like shoved in people's faces and I can understand that yeah but it's like I don't know if it helps people yeah and I get out of when they're if you're in that kind of bit where you're kind of teetering on the edge of being like you could get out from being in a kind of Mm -hmm. quote-unquote rut yeah if you're constantly seeing the the bad stuff the the quote-unquote bad stuff or if it could keep you in a very safe zone yeah what i'm saying and i think it skews your expectation because even if I think it's it's super common for lots of people, even like what you just said. So you're gigging on weekends and then you're recovering during the week. So it's not like you're saying, well, I just changed my mindset and now I live a totally normal and healthy life. Yeah, that sounds like an ad. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's like that's what a lot of Instagram is like that, honestly. I don't even start me on Instagram. Yeah. So on the one hand, there's like Facebook groups that are only like it's only going to get worse forever. And then on Instagram, yeah. it's like you just need to make one change and commit to it and then you'll never be sick again. And yeah. like I think based on these interviews and people that I've talked to, for most people, it's somewhere in between. And in each of those spaces, it's hard to be honest about the in-between. About like, yeah. I had a really great, I've had a really great two weeks, me personally. I've had a really great two weeks. And Good. the weekend before that, I was in bed for three days. Uh, and it's like, having a, being in a space where you can't post about both of those things is kind of tricks your brain into being like it's only okay if it's positive or it's only okay yeah. if it's negative and like that doesn't work it no. doesn't doesn't work <laughs> it's also what makes you think that you can't be yourself at all mm-hmm. on any form of social media mm-hmm. and it's like well you know that's why i tend to really only advertise my business stuff yeah yeah it's it's easier you know when I mean? you're not trying to represent yourself exactly no it's so hard yeah it's so hard and um yeah it it really messes with my brain and it's Ehlers Danlos Awareness Month mm-hmm. which is uh, which is why it's really great that we're, I know we're recording this in May I know it won't go out in May but it's cool that we're recording this in yeah. May um, and I will mention Ehlers Danlos in me on some form of social media because I always do. Yeah. But I tend not to talk about EDS mm-hmm. online anymore. Yeah. Because it was, unless I'm going in for like a big surgery or, or like a surgery, not even a big one, but unless I'm going in for like surgery yeah. or I'm doing... I'm really been really ill for a long time. I won't talk about my health stuff online anymore because I used to talk about it all the time. Yeah. And if I spoke about every time I went in and out of hospital, because I'm still in and out. Yeah. You know, 
a fair wee bit. I just don't talk about it anymore. Yeah, and, that's and also normal. Does it? Yeah, and does it look good to venues that I'm going to that I've been in hospital on the Tuesday and I'm coming to you on the Saturday <laughs> to do a show? Like, but that's a sad state of society. Right. Yeah. It's a really sad state. Yeah. That. You know, people might be like, oh, I don't know if I want to book her. She was in hospital there earlier in the week. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Is might she going to come? Is she going... Uh-huh. Yeah. She might not be reliable. Is she going to make it? Oh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's happened before. Mm-hmm. It really has genuinely happened before. I've had venues phone up yeah. to the agency and be like, is she going to be all right? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, my God. You know, it's, it is the sad state of affairs. Yeah. It is a, it's just... But I... It's the way society is, and that is sad but true. And you know, I know what are we, what are we gonna? Uh, yeah. I would love to say I would love to blaze a trail and try and change it because that's the kind of person I am. My, my mother said I'm always the one who wants to swim, like swim upstream. Yeah. But you know. But it takes like there are so many different ways I think to like even just getting out and living your life, and it's. There's a difference between keeping something a secret and not, like, not posting it on a billboard, you know? like Yeah, that's true. You can be like, I am living with this condition, and I'm open about it when that is necessary. And also, I don't I don't need to tell everybody about it in every conversation anymore. That's true. You know? Yeah, I that's true, because I used okay. to be so, like, as I said, when I... When, when I first got diagnosed, I was like, I'm raising money. And I did a raised, like, a, just about a thousand pounds for EDS UK. Mm-hmm. I did an article in a national newspaper. Mm-hmm. I was on a TV show. Yeah. I did a lot to raise, to raise awareness. So yeah. I'm very much not quiet about it. Yeah. I have done a lot to raise awareness for yeah. EDS. Yeah. I just then real and then and then I did all the stuff with for the Facebook groups. I've done a lot, but then I realised who am I doing it for? Right. If it's not the thing for you, because I think I think for some people, like being a patient advocate for their condition is what lights them up. And if that lights yeah. you up, then that's fantastic. We need. People I think that it's awesome. For. But if it doesn't, then there's you don't have to do that. Like you don't owe it to anybody. Yeah, like I and it did. It really did. I loved it so much, and I really, really did love it. But then I thought, am I doing this because I love it and because I want to do it? Or am I doing it because I feel I have to? Mm-hmm. Because I feel I have to because I have this condition and because, well, I've got this so I need to get the word out and I need to let people know about this. And I felt like I, I was obligated to do it. Yeah. And then I was like, Emma, you're just putting more pressure on yourself when you're already sick. Yeah. Like, you need to chill out, dude. Yeah. Or you're going to make yourself off. sicker. Yeah. Yeah. And it was when I did that and took the pressure off that I started to get better, mm-hmm. you know, take the pressure off with the Facebook groups, take the pressure off with, you know, want to do this and want to do that, want just chill, just mm-hmm. take the pressure off and things will work out, you know, the way they're meant to work out. Yeah. And maybe sometime in the future, I will go back to doing some sort of advocacy for EDSUK because I do care about it and I do think the word needs to get out. I yeah. mean, you heard how raging I got about the fact that we've got no blooming specialists in Scotland. Right, right. Still That's... mad about that. I mean, yeah. need to change it. Yeah, definitely. But, um, there are many avenues that we can go down to kind of sort that stuff out. But I very much feel that that needs to change. 
I still do. <laughs> and I will find a way. I will find a way. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but it takes time. Yeah. Oh, I, that's a, that's one that's going to be chipped away over time. But I just felt that, you know, taking the pressure off and diverting my focus was a big one. But as I very much still say and still very much believe, if that's what floats your boat, cool, man. Yeah. No. no it's a big world. Like, that yeah you you live your life and because i've got friends actual friends who are in these groups and i'm like great but it's just not not my cup of tea it wasn't working for you no not my vibe (laughs) yeah i i get that i'm and i do like on like on twitter i talk about my health but one thing that i like about twitter is just the way that it's set up is i can talk about things really matter-of-factly it's like, mm. it doesn't feel the same way as Facebook. I don't know. I don't know why. Maybe this is just me. But uh, if I'm having whatever nerve pain and I can just be like, weird, today's a nerve pain day. Like, I feel I feel like because it's just an open forum instead of a closed group where everybody's looking for ways to talk yeah. about their own stuff that if you, you can say something kind of neutrally and like, I don't know, it doesn't work the same way. And maybe that's just like my what my account is set up like. But I totally whenever... I'm in, I think, four or five chronic illness Facebook groups that I'm not active in at all. But when they show up in my newsfeed, I'm always like, oh, right, there's a lot going on here. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And you can always tell when there's stuff going down in them and you're like, wow. Yeah. (laughs) That's a whole thing. And then, then then you get onto the Instagram world and you've got all these kids or folk who are living their life promoting stuff and selling their gear and selling this and selling that and you're like what you've got merch yeah you've got merch are you kidding what like oh don't <laughs> it just i know it's like, a whole world let's be a professional sick person okay yeah, yeah. but as i say live your life but Wow, it's... who knew that you could do that now? I know. I sound like an old person. I sound like an actual <laughs> granny. Influencer culture could... is strange. No, I get, I understand, I completely get, I get it, I understand, but I just didn't know that being someone who is a professional sick person was one of those things. It's... <laughs> That's just, I don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. My take may be controversial. Yeah. It's not for you. It's not for me either. <laughs> but I will say that with like some people who do a really good job of blogging or vlogging, although I'm not a video person, I never, I never watch yeah. videos. Um, but some people do a really good job of like using their own experience to raise awareness. I think. Oh, don't get me wrong. I do understand that. Yeah. I, but then I think some people get stuck in the same kind of rut of like, I'm using my own life as a soap opera to create interest and that might not have the best health outcomes long-term. Yeah. I think I'm just being the granny who's looking at it from <laughs> like, well, yeah, I, I, I did take a long look before I knew I was going to comment on this and go through a lot of like, Instagram influencers stuff and be like who's selling merch who's not selling merch (laughs) what's going on here what are they actually talking about what are they speaking on because I get it I do understand it's good to show your life and Mm -hmm. 
and use that as a form of awareness and then a lot of people go to stores that are going that money's going to their particular charity or whatever yeah i understand that like that's it's an amazing thing like that is a good thing but some of them i'm just like this i don't understand why why this is happening yeah I just some <laughs> some of it just i'm like i i don't understand this particular angle of where this is hap- where this is going yeah. but okay cool yeah. this is where we're at now is amazing. Get it. The it internet is a weird work. and wonderful thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's beautiful. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. Is there anything um, that we haven't covered while we've been going through mm. kind of your story and all of this stuff about culture and social media? Mm. Is there anything that's in your brain that we haven't gotten to? Um, just that if you're out there and you are dealing with a chronic health condition, no matter if you believe that there's something going on in your body and you have a doctor telling you no, but you fully believe there is something going on, do not give up. Mm -hmm. Please do not ever, ever, ever give up because I struggled away for over well, since I was seven. Right. And didn't get diagnosed till I was 29. Yeah. With doctors telling me it was nothing, it was this, it was that. It's all in your head. You're crazy. Pretty much get told that I was crazy once. Like, you, please don't ever give up because it, pick up on every little nugget that a positive doctor is telling you because you will get there and you'll get your answer. Mm-hmm. And even if you don't, if you don't, you've not got your your diagnosis yet, and you may never get a full on diagnosis. Believe me, a diagnosis is not the answer right, all it's of not the time. The whole thing. It's not the whole thing because I got my diagnosis and it didn't feel all that great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So just keep on going. Rely on the great people that you have around you, and get good resources in your life like this because it's what matters it is what matters and it's what's going to like keep you afloat um believe your body believe your body any neural bats like me who tell you that the internet's crazy (laughs) (laughs) do whatever makes you happy on the internet i think that's true um Okay, wonderful. So thank you so much for You're taking welcome. the time to talk to me. I appreciate it. I'm excited to share it. Oh, thanks. I'm excited to hear it. And I'll cringe at every single thing I've said, no doubt. <laughs> thank you for listening to episode 35 of No End in Sight. You can find Emma on Instagram at Emma M. Cowie and on Twitter at Emma Cowie. And you can find this show on Instagram at no end insight pod with periods where the spaces should be. I'm still a little slow on posts because I'm behind on transcripts, but that will pick up again once those pick up again, which should be soon. And you can find me, Brianne, on both Instagram and Twitter at BennisB. Next week, I'll be talking to someone with ME, so make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've been enjoying the show, I would be so grateful if you could share a review on Apple Podcasts so that other people know what to expect. 
As usual, don't forget that I have a small Facebook group called Chronic Hustlers for people living with chronic conditions who are self-employed. It's quiet but growing, and you'll even find a few podcast guests in the group. And finally, this podcast is supported by my cross-stitch company, Digital Artisanal. When I'm up for it, I make simple modern patterns that you'll actually want to hang in your home. I love to cross-stitch as a way to feel productive during flares when I'm stranded in front of the television. One of these days, I'm going to get to work on some new spring and summer patterns, but I'd still love if you check this out at digitalartisanal.com. Thanks for listening.